thank you all for the welcome, and it's good to be here again. Pastor Josh asked if I'd fill in for him while he's on vacation. I think he's got some other guest speakers coming while he's away in Florida, but it's good to hear that he's doing okay. So I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you tonight, and uh, I'd like you to, first of all, let's stand and read the passage of Scripture that I have. We're going to talk about it's in Psalm 42. And the lesson tonight is called Hope Thou in God. We're going to read together, I'm going to read Psalm 42 if you'll follow along as I read. <clears throat> it begins, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I have gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, and with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. And I shall yet praise him for the health of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, and of the Hermonites from the, land, from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows have gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the day time, and in the night his songs shall be with me, and my prayer unto God, unto the God of my life. I will say unto thee, God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I a mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, and I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for this Wednesday evening, the opportunity to come apart in the midweek, come into your house, from the daily cares, work and chores, tasks that we have to take care of, we just ask that you would Give us your peace as we study your word tonight. Let you speak to each of the members here that have come out, and even those that aren't here tonight, Lord, that might be watching online. Pray, Lord, your blessing upon all of us. Help us to consider the word of God. Help us to consider why we're often cast down, and yet we don't lose hope. We thank you, Father, for the blessings of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> and I'll be seated. <clears throat> Tonight's lesson is entitled, Hope Thou in God. And I, before I start, I want to give you just a little background on this psalm. Today, uh, before I do, I actually am uh, going to follow three of the four rules that my daughter Emma has given me when I speak. Uh, usually I break all four. 
In fact, I even heard there was a little wager going on in the back as to what time Steve will finish tonight. So rule number one was don't talk too fast. Rule number two is don't go past the time limit. Rule number three, don't tell embarrassing stories about mom and the kids. And rule number four, don't tell those rules to the church. So I've failed in at least one, but uh, this evening... I'm going to be a bit more vulnerable here tonight um, with you all. Uh, no stories about the kids or my wife. I'm going to talk to you about what God has been showing me. And I hope that this is a blessing to you. This psalm that we read was, as it says in the introduction, it was written to the chief musician, Maskell, for the sons of Korah. And while most of the psalms, as you know, were written by David, there were other writers involved in writing the psalms. Asaph was one, Solomon, and others, including involving these men who were called the sons of Korah. And they are, in your Bible, they're associated with 11 psalms. This is one of them. And he was, this was written, I believe, by David to the chief musicians for the sons of Korah. We know that these men, the men of Korah, put music to words. And they were the descendants of Levi. They were given a charge early on to help take care of the tabernacle and the materials that were in the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. Now, one of Levi's three sons was a man named Kohath. And he led a group of men who were responsible for the care of the sanctuary items. These were carefully prepared by these men, and they were transported once the priest had made them ready for transport as they had to move from place to place, and they'd break down the tabernacle and they would move it. The responsibility was passed on to the subsequent generations of Kohath, one generation after another. But over time, some of these men became, began to dislike their role and Korah, who was the grandson of Kohath, he became discontented and he rebelled against Moses. He didn't like Moses' authority. So what happened was, as you've read the story probably before back in Numbers chapter 16, when you rebelled against Moses, who was God's anointed, you, it, was like, it was like you're rebelling against God himself. So God, what did he do? For these, the men of Korah, and his followers, God opened the earth and swallowed them up. All their possessions, all their homes, their families, swallowed up into the earth, and then the earth closed back over them. Essentially, they were buried alive for the rebellion against the Lord. A tragic story. And then right after that, 250 other followers of Korah, who were the men that were holding the censers, they were consumed immediately by fire. But there's one positive piece to this tragic story, and that was that Korah's sons were spared. They didn't pass away with all of them. And so his descendants were allowed to continue on. David Guzik writes in his commentary that these sons may actually have witnessed the terrible ending and became grateful for God's mercy upon them. We later see in the scripture that God had an even greater plan for these sons of Korah. 
as the descendants that cared for the tabernacle for many generations. Some of them went on to be great warriors and fought alongside David in his battles. Others of them were gifted in choral and orchestral music. And so they put a lot of these, these psalms that we have to music. And they would sing praises to God. And they were greatly blessed in this regard. Some of the important services that surrounded the celebration of the Ark of the Covenant in the Psalms were directed by the sons of Korah and their descendants. While David is the likely author, these men were the men who put words to music, including the fitting verses as we see even in continuing over here. If you turn to Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. And then in verse 10 of the same psalm, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. When I read these verses, it made me think of what, what was passed on from generation to generation from Korah's son. That they knew about what happened. The story was continued. It passed on. That the earth was shaken. That it opened up. And that these men were swallowed up. And some of these verses reflect even that, that David penned. Also, one of the great pieces of the lineage of Korah was that not only were these gifted men in music, and great warriors of God. But the prophet Samuel came from the lines of the Korites. And so God had a perfect plan in place, even though he had to destroy the parent and the family. He used the children for later generations. Sometimes God uses great tragedies in our lives to shape us for his glory and for greater good. We may not see it at the time, but it will be revealed down the road. Sometimes these traumatic events that we experience allow us to help others because we've been there, we've done that, we've seen it. What about you? I know there are many of you here that can relate to this. You've seen how God used a tragedy in your life to help you minister to someone else in need. God uses these events in our lives for a purpose, just like he used the events in the sons of Korah's lives. Tragic events are never easy. They tear at the very fabric of who you and I are, and they bring us to our knees. A friend recently told me, just this week when I was talking with him, he said, God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, while I've always found that somewhat comforting, I've wrestled with it because there are times when life events happen so quickly and so traumatically. A sudden death, unexpected. Or like Jonah getting swallowed by the great fish. It was a shock. It was debilitating. It was overwhelming. And at other times, it happens in your life maybe back to back to back. One tragedy after another. And you ask, when will it stop? One whammy that hits you upside the head after another in rapid succession sometimes. 
almost to the point where you feel like, I can't even breathe. There's so much happening in my life right now. I can't really take anymore. But God can give you more comfort. And even when it seems like it's more than you can cope, He wants you to reach out to Him in those times. In Jonah chapter 2, in verses 1 to 2, it reads, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest me. Even in the worst of situations, God hears us. You may think it's beyond your ability to handle, but God has prepared a way. You and I know that there will be extremely difficult times when you and I just want to give up. God gives us example in his, in his word that through tough times will come, he'll make a way for us, for the child of God. He never has promised us smooth sailing. Rather, there's going to be rough seas. There's going to be trials and suffering in this present world. What he does offer is that he is always faithful. He's always with us. And we won't be tempted beyond our ability. But he will provide a way for us to bear it and to escape. Just like he did for Jonah. You think there's no way out. God has a way. We all have trials. Some are just like headaches that you can take an aspirin and they'll go away over a period of time. And others are real heartaches that just last. In these times of grief, we can become despondent and depressed. We may even cry out to God and ask, why? Why do you allow this to happen to me? The psalmist writes these words in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, 5, what we just read, it says, why art thou cast down? O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? But yet the psalmist, even though he asked God that question, he answers. The answer was hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In the next verse, in verse 6, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. And then in Psalm 42, 11, the same thing. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance, my God. You see, the sons of Korah may have witnessed God's wrath on their father for his rebellion and saw his malcontent followers burned to a crisp. And like David being pursued by his own son Absalom, these men knew what despair was like. They were truly understanding of it. And they said sincerely from their heart, why God? Why is this happening to me? That may be a question that you're asking yourself tonight. Maybe you're going through a tough tragedy right now. Or a tough time of multiple tragedies in your life. And you're asking God, why? Why is this going on? Well, take heart. There is good news. What about you? What traumatic events have shaped your life? 
Think about how God used difficult situations and events to bring you to himself. What is so refreshing to me about being a member of Lighthouse is the genuine openness that I see in people that are willing to share their testimonies and their stories, and sometimes their difficult stories and their heartache. People are open. People are honest. People are real. And they don't hold back. And I appreciate that. Maybe you've not seen God open the earth and swallow people up. Maybe you've not seen 250 people burned up. Maybe you've not experienced that. Maybe you've never been experienced or have experienced what David felt when he was being chased by his enemies that wanted to kill him. I can't relate to that. I've never been in that position where somebody was after me like that. But we all have stories, and these stories have shaped our lives. And God uses these times to make us stronger so we can help others in similar situations. I'm sharing this message with you tonight, not just for you, but for me. This is what God's laid on my heart just the last few weeks because of things he's taken me through and how he's shaping me. We all have times of discouragement. Sometimes they're quick to get through, and other times they last longer and they hit deep. Some are gut punches. Some of them sear your heart. You'll never forget. The pain might go away over time, but the scar will always remain. All of us have witnessed a family member's decline in health. Maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you've had friends turn away. Even a spouse leave. Have you ever been cheated on? You faced long-term illnesses? Or maybe you've just dealt with multiple ailments, one after another after another, that you're on so many medications you can't keep it straight. Maybe you've seen a loved one passing away, sometimes seemingly way too early, but all in God's time. My family and I recently had a family uh, member lose a little one that she carried to full term, and it died. And when I saw that small casket, it was no bigger than this pulpit, and I saw the tears running down the face of the family, Your heart breaks. And we ask like the psalmist did, why? When my dad died when I was 19, I asked God why. got very angry with him. Little did I know, a year later, God was going to save me. Through tragedy, I watched my uncle, Dan, my dad's brother, He was a highly decorated Vietnam War hero. Multiple purple hearts. Two bronze stars. And just a few years ago, he had been suffering from PTSD so bad that he killed himself. I went to his funeral. 
I wish I had taken more time to talk to my Uncle Dan about Jesus. But God took him through a tragedy. And he was all banged up. He was stitched up inside all over with piano wire. That's all they had to use over in Vietnam. And they couldn't get it all out when they came here. He was in pain his entire life till he was in his 60s. But he saved so many men in his platoon, including his commanding officer. But he killed a lot of people. And he never told that story to anybody except my dad. And then my dad told me, and no one knew what really happened to Danny. But it was a powerful story of heroism. So why? Do you know today that deaths from alcohol, drugs, and suicide have reached record highs in the United States? Record highs. Never been this high since they've been tracking it. Especially the past two years, and from what I've read, there's no sign of it letting up. It just keeps getting worse. Why? Sometimes a family member can also be the source of your hurt. It's because they often hurt so much from inside, from the poor choices they've made, that they like to take out their frustrations on those around them. Today, many are at the end of their rope. They lack patience. They don't have the energy to cope with situations. Maybe you're dealing with something like that today. Have any of you ever been loved ones, caring for a loved one that was not healthy, that was close to death. And I went through that last year with my mom, and it was a hard time, because you still have your own family and kids under your own roof, and then you have your mom. They call it a sandwich situation, because you have two families. And it was a hard time. So maybe you're caring for people, but I just give you word of caution to be careful because caregiver fatigue can take more out of you than the one that you're caring for. Maybe you've tried to reason with a lost person and had the door slammed in your face, even told where to go. The stress and toll of life events is increasing, and people today are easily agitated, they're angry, they feel alone, more are trying to cope with job loss, financial strain, declining health, increasing cost, uncertainty, moral depravity, the likes of which I and you have never seen in our lifetime. The next section I tell you is section three, and I call it tornadoes and monsoons. Now trials can come quickly, just like a tornado, and Xenia knows a lot about that. Been through it. Or they can come like the monsoon season in the southern hemisphere, Torrential rains, it lasts for maybe three to four months at a time or longer. It just doesn't stop. Consider these statistics. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, one in five people today suffer from mental illness. The number one mental illness in the United States is anxiety disorders, which is up 13% since 2017. We are in a very stressful time and facing devastating mental health crisis. The U.S. Surgeon General says it's the defining public health and societal challenge of our time. And this too, 
like the drinking, drugs, and suicides keep going up, the mental health problem keeps going up too. So why is this increasing? Well, the answer is multifaceted and includes the addictive influence of social media. As we can see, the world's events happening at, at our fingertips, and we're bombarded with negative news. And young people today spend five hours a day on their, on their phone, watching social media, listening. And folks, I'll just tell you that your smartphone can create a lot of unnecessary anxiety and overthinking things if you're on it too much. Be careful. Then there was the COVID epidemic, school closures, lack of face-to-face -face support. People became isolated. It disrupted their routines. Loneliness happened more often. Families were breaking up. Childhood neglect, trauma, abuse, you name it. So like a tornado, the sons of Korah, they lived through that trauma, seeing a deeply disturbing experience. But it doesn't always happen in just a single event like a tornado. In a recent poll taken in 2022, it found that 76% of Americans are stressed about the future of this nation. This is an all-time high, again, the level of stress. Reasons cited for this were just a barrage of factors, most of which were out of any of our control. The government, its overreach into our homes, into our pocketbooks, political divisiveness, historic inflation, widespread violence. Sometimes things just pile up. For example, during the past six weeks for me, life has been such a constant stream of events needing attention. I recently asked my wife, I said to her, what is going on? Why is all this happening all at once? In fact, the back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back events recently Caused me just to get up after one of the events. I thought I just got it resolved, and then I get a phone call on another one. And so I said, I need to go. So I got in the car, and I just drove. And I didn't drive aimlessly. I was following the rules of driving, but my mind was elsewhere. I left the house. I turned off my cell phone, and I drove for like four hours. Wasted a lot of gas. I ended up at a Chick-fil-A. That's a good time for a break. And I sat in Chick-fil-A, and I took out my tablet, and I started writing down what was in my head. And I ended up with a list of 60 crazy things that were happening since the 1st of July. I said, wow. That's this year, July 1 this year. It even surprised me when I emptied all this stuff out of my head. So here's just a sample of a few. All these involve family members. A fall, a car wreck, medical doctor's appointments, selling, trying to settle my mom's estate, selling a house, a need in a nursing home by a family member, verbal attacks from a family member, a hospitalization, a funeral, a canceled vacation, and the list went on with 50 more. That's just a little bit. So, what did I do? Well, instead of lamenting all this, I wrote out a prayer to God. Now, I've, I don't typically write prayers, except when I do my hair journal. 
Nobody reads them. But this is one I wrote, and I'm going to read it. I wrote, Dear Lord, I am worn out. My head is spinning. My heart is racing. I'm overwhelmed, and I'm weighed down. Why is all this coming at me at once? Everything seems to be a mess, stressful, intense, 24-7. I'm not sleeping, eating, or handling life well at all. These wall-to-wall issues that I've written down are beyond my ability and strength, so please forgive me for trying to work all this out on my own and accept this list of burdens that I now turn over to you. And I signed it with my name. And I took that list, I put it in my folder, I went home, and I put it away. And after doing this, I felt like a load had been lifted off of me. I felt like God had just interceded and said, Stephen, it's all going to be okay. And he did. And I have what I call DBC disorder. And it's called discombobulated brain clutter. Okay? You may have this disorder, too. It's when your head gets overloaded and it feels like it's going to explode. Well, I've had DBC, but it's been pretty intense recently. But... It ceased. God just took it away. It all went from my head and my heart, like it went flowed through my arm to my pen onto the paper, and then I said, God, take this. And he took it. The next day, I read in my Spurgeon devotional, God is God. God. He sees and hears all our troubles, all our tears, Soul, forget not mid your pains, God or all, forever reign. That was just what I needed. Forget all the pains, God is in control, and he's reigning over all this stuff. Yes, God is ruling and reigning in our lives. What we view as chaos, he's ordained it for his glory and our ultimate good. It is our own thinking that gets us all discombobulated. We get all out of whack. Proverbs 16.3 states, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. This is almost like a duh moment for me. Like, wow, that's so true. Do you want to get your head cleared, your priorities straight, your stress lowered? Like the psalmist answering his own question, why, Lord, is all this going on? Just try starting to trust God. Lean on Him. Give Him your list. And praise Him and thank Him to direct your path instead of plowing ahead alone. It's amazing how often we wrestle with trying to do too much. We try to forge our own path. We seek others out who will agree with us instead of someone who might speak the truth and love to us that we really need to hear. Many voices drown out the still, small voice of God. Be careful. Those people and who you're listening to or seeking advice from I noticed in this list that I had written of these 60 items, there were only a few that really mattered in the big picture. What really mattered was my relationship to God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids and their spouses, and all the rest was secondary. How are you doing with your relationships with God, with your spouse, with your family? It helped clear some of the mind clutter for me. 
I remember a friend of mine, Carl, who I, I mentioned here in the men's conference, that some of you men may have heard this, but his favorite acronym was IRDM, I-R-D-M. And that stands for, it really doesn't matter. Or in some cases, you can say, it really does matter, depending on the situation. In my case, there were just a few things that really mattered. The rest of this really didn't matter right now in the big picture. And Carl, my friend, he used this to help him cope with his life challenges. You see, Carl was a cancer survivor. His wife is now dealing with cancer for the second time in her life. And both Carl and his wife lost their spouses to cancer. It's just been like the fifth time now they've gone through it in their family. And he's been an inspiration to me. He just keeps pressing on, pressing on. So, he knew firsthand not to get too worked up over all the small stuff and boiling it all down, it is only really a few things that do matter. And you've heard the phrase, when it rains, it pours. Yep, you know what that's like. Well, that can be true in our lives. Sometimes it's a tornado. Xenia is quite familiar with this, but when they come, they come unexpected, they hit hard, and they leave a path of devastation for people to clean up. That's the way it works with some of the trials we go through in our lives, too. It can be a mess cleaning them up. Other times, it seems like a monsoon season with the continual rain, and this is what I'm kind of in right now. It's like a rainy season in my life, and I know it'll pass. But I remembered one of my favorite Bible verses that I've had ever since I was saved, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct thy paths. Now, if our sole purpose on this earth is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, why do we get all twisted around the axle? Why do we get all bent out of shape every time something doesn't quite go right? The answer is our sinful nature. Our depravity. We constantly want to make the truth suit our needs. <clears throat> so we live as if our sole purpose on earth is to just glorify ourselves and enjoy all our stuff instead of enjoying God and the blessings He's given us. It's no wonder we get messed up and cast down. When like this, we are of no help to others because we essentially don't have our own house in order. Simply put, we have to trust God and not our own understanding of things. We can only see a small piece of the big puzzle that God has already planned. He's already got it finished. And he already sees the end result. And we see more clearly when we trust Him. And this means to let go of our own pride, be humble and submit to Him, even when we do not understand all the whys of life. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we're cast down by the cares and calamities of life, my right to understand does not supersede his divine sovereign plan to direct my path as he sees fit. Now let me say that again. My right to understand does not supersede God's divine sovereign plan to direct my path as he sees fit. Trying to figure it out alone or trying to justify it in my mind doesn't change God's plan or his definition of what's right and wrong. The famous often used verse, Romans 8.28, 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that are, love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Folks, in that verse, the word them in there twice is you and me. It's us. It's God's people that he's going to take care of. That's the them. That's us. It's you and me. And everything that's happening to us is working out for our good. And we may not see it at the moment, but it is. So just because I feel like I'm in over my head, or maybe you do, does not mean that God is not in control. As bad as it seems, the world is not spinning out of control. Abraham didn't know how he was going to work out the sacrifice of his son. He didn't know how that was going to work. Mary didn't understand why she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. She pondered it in her heart. The answers to the whys of life are not up to us. Why did God allow this president we have to be elected? Why did COVID happen? Why is the economy so bad? Why do we have natural disasters? Why do wicked people seem to get away with crimes? It's no different than asking God why God allowed bad kings to reign over the children of Israel, causing terrible problems and torture and death. The answer to those questions is the fall of man in our rebellious heart against a just God. We live, folks, in a very broken world. We've made wrong choices. And there are consequences when we sin against God. Just like Korah and his followers experienced. But in the end, all will be revealed, judged, and all is in God's hand and his perfect plan right now. The next section I have is called Overcoming the Overwhelming. Multiple times in Scripture it talks about people that are overwhelmed. David was cast down, but he wasn't cast out. He gives us some answers to the challenges of going through difficult times. First, in Psalm 42.5 that we read earlier, he answers himself with the question of why, and he says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In verse 11, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. David was no different than us. He was, at times, at wit's end. You been there? I've been there. How's it going to stop? Get me off of this hamster wheel. Help me, Lord. You ever just cried out those words? Help me, Lord. I need your help. Psalm 61, verses 2 to 3 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto the Lord, cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. He goes on in Psalm 143, verses 4 to 5, and states, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hand unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee. As a thirsty land, Selah. A few weeks ago, I want to share a personal story that happened to me. Alex Martin, our assistant pastor, one of our assistant pastors, came up to me while I was sitting in a chair out there in the hallway. And I think it was in between services or something on a Sunday, and I, I think you could see the wear that was on my face. And that's what the word countenance means. It's your face, your expression. 
And he said to me, you look like you could use a hug. And I said, yeah. And I stood up and he gave me a hug. And I appreciated that. Our countenance or our facial expression gives us away many times. Some people will wear a mask just to hide it. They don't want to be seen like they're having trouble. They want things to appear like it's perfectly fine. I'm on top of my game. I know what's going on and how to handle things, but inside they're not. Well, your countenance can give away sometimes the inward heart. God knows and looks on the hearts. He knows our state. And he gives us a glimpse of God's care when we see God's face shining upon us no matter what the storm. Last Sunday, our other assistant, Pastor Braden, saw me out in the lobby. And he said to me, if you need to talk, let me know. I laughed, he laughed, because I saw the flip side of this, because I'm usually the one doing the coaching, I'm doing the counseling, I'm doing the mentoring, I'm the 67-year-old gray-haired guy that's supposed to have all the wisdom. He's asking me that question, hey, you want to talk, let me know. This time he saw there was a need in me, he saw my countenance. I think he saw more than that because when I got home, this was last Sunday, I looked in the mirror when I walked in the bedroom and I saw that I had shaved my beard very poorly and I still had a bunch of patches of beard. <laughs> I had a button missed on my shirt and I taught my entire life group with my zipper down. Now, usually, my daughter and wife, they remind me of things, but I've been so discombobulated lately, I just couldn't even put myself together that day. So I apologize to you and my life group if I offended you in any way, but praise God for real brothers in Christ who are there just at the right time to tell you you need to talk, you need a hug, you need your zipper zipped up, whatever. <laughs> Guys, you've been there. Yeah, it's not unusual. Paul echoed the same response in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, where he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We might be cast down, but we're not destroyed. In this life, we may become troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down, but it's God who gives us hope that the world does not have. While even faithful folks can suffer despair and overwhelming grief, like you and I, he relieves his children of distress and despair, has never forsaken us, will not destroy us, even when one wave after another after another just seems to pound us on the head. We suffer reproach or we're oppressed. I think of my younger sister, who's just a year and a half younger than me, and recently she's mocked me Repeatedly. Emails, texts, phone calls. She's gone through a rough time in her life. She says, I don't want your bad karma or your black magic. And she'll use four-letter words. She knows I'm a Christian. She'll say, I'm on my own spiritual journey. 
I don't ever want you to put me on your prayer list. Even though she's nasty and hateful and curses me, I still love her. And Sarah, if you're watching this sometime down the road, I really mean that. I only hope that you might tune in to some of the messages here at Lighthouse. That God would work in your heart. I know because she's watched these before. She's told me. But right now, the God of this world, and that's the small g, the God of this world has blinded the eyes and the hearts of many, even in my family. You know some like that? Their hearts are blinded. It's hard. But even though that is the case, God will still supply all our needs. So brethren, be encouraged that we serve a great God who knows all our hurts and trials. He will never leave us and has our best in mind. He provides daily blessings, abundant grace, tender mercy, and tells us our affliction is light. And it's but for a moment. And our hope is in him. And our home is not here. But while we all remain here, let us echo the words of David in Psalm 71, 14. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. We recently had some friends come to our home from out west, Colorado, Montana. And what they wanted to do was sit in our yard, in the backyard, and enjoy the greenery of the grass, the cornfields, the garden, the trees. Because where they live, it's all brown. They don't have all the greenery like we have here. And oftentimes we take for granted the immense blessings that we enjoy right here, especially in this church. Don't take for granted the blessings that you have here at Lighthouse. So, by all means, I encourage you to lift this church up in prayer. Specifically pray for our pastor, our assistant pastors, the staff, the leaders, the ministry helpers, the teachers. Many of them have full plates and they get a lot of requests for help. So, as they work so faithfully behind the scenes here at Lighthouse, they too are not exempt from weariness and overload. So let's be mindful of others' needs and how best we can help them. One evening recently, when I was cast down, I went outside and I sat down on the patio and I leaned back to pray and I watched the white puffy clouds just slowly move across the blue sky as the sun went down and all around me was just complete calm. I mean, I watched the trees and not even one leaf was wavering. All I could hear was a cricket chirping, a dove cooing. It was all quiet. And I recalled numerous times in the Psalms where the writer uses the word selah. We read that tonight. And this word, when it comes in the scripture, means to stop and listen. The Hebrew word, it's similar to a rest in music you see on pages of music. Take a pause. Think about what it was that you just heard or read. And there are times when we all need to hit the pause button in life and take a sila break, back away, even get away. Like our pastor's doing with his family this week. Everybody needs a break. When caught up in the frenzy of this world, we can easily lose sight of who we are in Christ and how blessed we are. So as the days of summer shorten here, 
in Xenia and the surrounding areas, I'm reminded that the time of his return is nearing too. And all this chaos, and all this insanity, and all this upside-down stuff that we're witnessing in this world, I want you to know God has it in perfect balance. It's chaos to us, but not to him. God does not hang an out-of-order sign on the earth. Nor does he hang one in the universe. His priorities are not messed up. It's only when I put everything else ahead of God, when I try to do his work, when I try to fix people, that I become all out of whack and disjointed. My wife used to call me Mr. Fix-It. She got it from uh, the kids when they were growing up, watched this little fox on the children's TV program called Busy Town. And there was this little fox, and his name was Mr. Fix-It, and that was my name. But when we get too, too spread too thin and overextended and trying to do too much to help too many, we only hurt ourselves and our testimony. When we think we can do it on our own strength, he lets us fall, so we grab his hand and let him lead. God, help us all to pace our lives, to find hope in his promises, and to be still and know that he is God. Our anxiety that we have solves nothing. It robs us of his peace and the peace that keeps our hearts and minds. On my long drive that I told you about earlier, I wrote out my list of stuff that was cluttering my mind. I, after leaving the Chick-fil-A, I pulled into a cemetery over here on Byron, Byron Cemetery in Fairborn, And I visited my mother-in-law's grave because my early life as a Christian, she was a voice of reason to me. I miss her. I know others do too. But in my early Christian life, she exuded such stability and hope in a very tough time for me. So when the world out there, folks, tries to bait you into their world of doubt and into arguments and into worthless conversation, that trip to the cemetery reminded me to guard my time, to guard my tongue and my temper. So I offer a few suggestions here that might help you if you're going through some of these whys of life where it's a continual rainstorm. These are what helped me. Stay in the Word every day. Pray every day. Keep a prayer journal, a list of answers to prayer. I keep it on my phone, and I have a, like over 100 prayer requests in there, and I looked back on it recently, and over 50% of them got answered already. Just this year. 2023. God answers prayer. He's in the business of doing that. Don't doubt him. Bring your request to him. And then find a real friend in Christ, a brother or sister in Christ to talk to. Take breaks from the routine. Get up once in a while. Take a walk. Take a hike. Get out. Get involved in a church ministry. Find a mentor. Journal. Have a devotional time. Prioritize your responsibilities. Be more grateful. Thank God for your blessings. But lastly, give God that fret list, that worry list away. Give it to God. Watch what he'll do with that. 
God's already answered multiple prayers to me today. My wife and I were just talking about that driving to church. God took care of it. Gone. The other thing, God just took care of it. Gone. It's a blessing. Psalm 55, 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, he'll sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. That's you and I. That's the them in Romans 8, 28. He takes care of us. He'll never suffer you to be moved. He'll take care of you. Our hope, number five, and this is the last part in closing. I want to share a hymnal story. In 1834, an English Baptist preacher named James Moat was walking down the road to visit a dying woman and he didn't know what to say to her. And as he was walking, these words came to him, words that were of hope and assurance. It called out to him and he formed this hymn and the title of the hymn was My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Some words he wrote were these. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Build your house on the foundation, on the rock of the Lord Jesus. Many, including you and me, have sung the words of this hymn sometimes when we were in despair. And while we may have valid reasons for our trials, we have way, way, way more reason to have hope in the God of this universe. Storms and trials will come, but folks, there's no need to panic or lose hope. As Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Just remember, God is smiling down on us. So let our faces reflect the light of our hope in Him and radiate back to this world the joy within us, no matter what distress might come your way. There will be hard times, but God provides a way. May we also model Jesus who took time even in the scriptures to get away to solitary places to rest, to pray. He would go to the desert. He would go to the garden. He would go to the mountain. He would go to the lake shore. And he was, all the time people were following him. But he took time. He also took time with his closest friends who the pastor has been teaching us about in Matthew it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Folks, remember, Satan will clutter your mind with, and limit your usefulness with busyness. Get too busy. You get overwhelmed. So, when you feel stretched, take time to just sit at Jesus' feet for a little while, like Mary did. The relief is not found within ourselves, but the relief we have is looking to Him. He's our hope now and in the days ahead, no matter what storms come our way. So when you're cast down, look up and have hope in God. Thank you for listening.
God bless you all.